0: Well, uh, very very few guests and very very few uh, topics and discussions get the advanced billing that uh, that today's topic and guest have gotten. Uh, for the last three plus weeks, we've been talking about the fact that uh, Srili Besser, Rabbi Israel Besser, would be in our studio here at JMNAM today on Thursday, June the 28th, live and in person to discuss his brand new book. It's entitled Rabbi Mayer's Lotowitz, and it's of course about the life of Rabbi Lotowitz. And um, he is, in fact, here this morning to delve into this topic. Those of you who want to see all of this in action, you can go to facebook.com slash Network. Again, facebook.com slash Network and watch the entire proceeding, the entire discussion live as it uh, happens. And of course, uh, our app, our website, our call in line, all methods to use to listen in right now and participate in that way in this conversation. We're also going to be speaking a little later on with uh, Gedalia Zlotowitz, who is now at the helm of Art scroll uh, after his father's passing. I have asked Rabbi Besser if I may refer to him as Srilli during this conversation. He has said yes. With that in mind, Srilli Besser, an honor to welcome you back here to JM in the AM.
1: Good morning, Nachum. Thanks so much for having me, and it's great to be here. I appreciate that. I'm
0: looking forward to the challenge of seeing if we can recreate uh, our off air conversations on air. That We've would so be so many good ones over th- the years. Those, those would be interesting shows, would wouldn't be they? Be when was the first time you met Rabbi Meyers Lotowitz? Probably about uh,
1: 14 years ago. I went into, I had an idea of a book, right? And I just went to Art School's website and I, you know, click, click submissions that you never really know if somebody even <laughs> sees those emails. And... Um, it's interesting, actually, because I, I do that now at Mishpacha Magazine, and a lot of those submissions come to me, and I always try to remember the way ArtSchool dealt with it. Uh, first of all, I had an answer within 24 hours, wow. which was, um, we're interested, maybe send us something, we'd love to hear more. I just I had an idea. I didn't really know much. I wasn't an experienced writer, but I had a concept in mind, and I thought I could do it. So ArtSchool.com, submit here, and somebody called me the next day and said, why don't you come in and, and meet with us? I live in Montreal then mm-hmm. as now. So I said, okay, I'll be in New York or whatever it was, Hanukkah, I think, and I came in to meet Rabbi Zlatowicz and Rabbi Sherman. So I walked in, and I shared this idea of, uh, of a book, what I wanted to do, where I thought there was room in the market for a certain type of um, Godolim biography. And uh was a lot of and then I said at the end, would you like to see a sample of my work? So he said, I didn't write it in the book. So I, didn't, I didn't know if it was instructive or helpful, but to me it was meaningful. He said, uh, I hear from the way you talk, uh, from the phrases you use that you can write. So I don't have to see a sample. I'm okay. Which was just
0: interesting to me. You, you know, I guess at a certain level of experience and professionalism, you're able to tell. At the risk of really going off topic, I find that fascinating and intriguing only because I, I always point out to people how just because – Someone can speak, for instance, in this forum, does not mean they're a great public speaker. You know, at a lecture, for instance, and just because they can be an announcer at X, Y, and Z doesn't mean they'd be good in a different venue. Yet he said that to you.
1: But you must be able to, you know, meet somebody and say you'd be great on radio, right? That means you—you feel this Uh, comes out of your
0: bones. And and I would say half the people that I've told you'd be great on radio, when they actually tried out, failed. So it's funny you say we'll that. We'll have to find something else to write in your book. <laughs> I'm glad you started to think about it. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, so at what point did you uh, say to yourself, if in fact you ever said to yourself, maybe you were told this by the folks at Artscroll, that his life, the 73 years that Rabbi Zlodowicz, uh spent on this world, uh, was book-worthy? It's
1: interesting. Um over the years, I had pursued them many times for articles in the magazine, in Mishpacha, and they never really were interested in discussing it. They, they, now I know so much about how that company worked. I know that they hit the ground running and they never looked back. They weren't into right. retrospectives and self-congratulations and patting themselves on the back. They didn't have time. They, they were just going. And he had a donor base, I think, who he knew believed in him, so he didn't feel that need to do that. And he was busy. There was always a new project, and this is a man who, who launched a new project in the, at every stage of his life. After the Bavli, most people or many people I know would say, okay, I did it. Right. I, I did it. I changed the world. You changed change the world again? Now, now I'm going to go to your Xiaomi. Um, which didn't seem like a good idea. Not profitable, right. not in terms of the, the market. Um, so there wasn't much time for him to do that. For the 40th anniversary of art school, which was 2016 or 2015, right. it was two summers ago, I believe, mm. um, they agreed to do something. And, and even then, the conversation was very much, he was deflecting it to Reverend Sherman, Reverend Sherman's accomplishments, his donors. He wanted very much to talk about um, how they, these people had invested in a cause and an idea, which didn't seem like a natural fit. And each one of them had, in their way, changed the world. So it wasn't about him, but that was the only time we really had this conversation. And he joked to me a couple of times for the book. Right. You know, he, he would make those kind of jokes. Right. And his passing was, a, to me, was a big shock. You know, right. so I hadn't thought of those terms.
0: Right. So book-worthy Often it's after someone's gone when you say to yourself, okay, now it really is time for the book.
1: Book in terms of accomplishment. I think everybody
0: knew right. at the LeVire that this man's accomplishment was a right. book. What I didn't realize was that he was a book. Right. He himself has a personality, as a person. Um, the, the, the whole story from the beginning is remarkable now that, you th- that, now that it is viewed in retrospect. Um, for instance, you know, I as a youngster, I, I don't know how old you are, but I remember when the first Megillah Sester came out. I remember that. I remember the day. I remember when, you know, my brother brought it home and said, this is, you know, look look, look what we have, to you know, for this Purim. Today, people have so many Megillahs. remember your father's reaction? Don't remember. But you, you, we have so many Megillahs now. It's not just art school. Everywhere, all around the world, so many Megillahs, so many there's so many mach There's so much out there now, thank God. There's so much. And, but then, you know, in the mid-70s, it, you know, you didn't have this kind of stuff, and certainly not in English, and not with commentaries where, Someone like me could pick it up as a little kid and understand what's going on, you know, with, and read about it. When, when, when it has been said to us, and now that you've written, that that entire project was done in 30 days, that must be some type of sign that this man had some incredible stamina, drive, ingenuity to him. Uh, think about it. In four weeks' time, from the passing of his friend, which I think also was sudden, right? I think that that was also sudden, tragic news that he, that he and the community uh, um, uh, focused on. Four weeks later, the book's out. It had to be out for Purim. That was the deadline. It had to be out for Purim. And now that we know him through your book, we know what his opinion was of deadlines, right? He was he was pretty strict right. about
1: it. But you know, I, I spoke to to a gentleman. His name is uh, Nahum Silverman over in Flatbush who was in the car, who was driving the car back from the Levaya. I said, at what point did Mayer suggest it? He said, in the car, on the way back from the Levaya. He said, this is what we're going to do. Mrs. Lodowitz, Mayor's wife, told me she he asked her for permission. He said, this is what it's going to entail. I need a month, and I'm out of here. I'm doing this. And, uh, and, and he got- Day lunch. and night. Day and night. Four and, weeks. And, she, and she, she backed him up all the way, obviously. And the, he, I think he knew what was involved. That means he was going you know, to not, not eat and not sleep. Right. And, and uh Round the clock. And he did it. And I think uh, ingenuity is an important word and stamina is an important one. But I think the crucial words that he would have said was probably siasa de right. And he felt that. And that's why he never stopped. Um, you know, we mentioned this in the book that the, the very much the layout and the look of that first Miguel Sester is still the look till today of art. Right. Which is remarkable. I think he felt he nailed it
0: on the first shot. Right. And he just ran with that. Right. And now that, again, that we know him better through your work, he would never have released it if he didn't like it. He would never have, if it, if it didn't look right to him even in that circumstance of having to get it out for a it probably would not have hit the market, right? So. We know that about him at this point. Surely so Besser's here. The book is called Rabbi Mayer's Lotowitz: his vision, wisdom, and warmth lit up the world. Um, so then he has a decision, which again, I don't know if we, if, I don't know how much time you spent on this. I, you know, as I told you, you know, you ruined a couple of shabbos for me because uh, I, I read, I read two hundred pages each shabbos. So you know, my my sleep was out the window. It's hard to put it down, right? I, it's very hard to put down. I was <laughs> delving into the life of Rabbi Zlotowitz. I don't remember the the transition from okay, the one time effort of releasing a Megillus Esther and then the decision of doing the other Megillus and really starting this whole machine rolling. Is there anything? Of note in that in that uh, period of time between Miguel Esther and when it's time to make the next Megillah? Uh, again you'd have to ask a historian um, about the confluence of events. But something
1: was happening in America at the time, which is at the pretty much the same time that uh, Miguel Sester came out. Yaakov Kamenetsky and others were advocating for teaching kids in English. Right. They were saying, "Is English is our language now? You know, Yiddish was the gullah language right. for so long, and that's how many of us were raised." But at a certain point, they were saying, we have to teach our kids and speak to our kids in the language, which they understand, the vernacular, which they're most comfortable with. So at the time, Rabbi Yaakov's opinion was was uh, innovative. to Teach kids in English and Talmud teaching Gemara in English, but he was saying they got to understand it. So Rabbi was really tapped in. People thought at the time, oh, the Kirov movement, the Truva movement. Right. Of Who's this really meant for? It's not meant for right. me. It's meant for and others. Right? Rabbi Gifta, among others, said, no, no. These are, these are my Talmudian from Tel. They speak English. They need English. And how many of us know ourselves who grew up in yeshiva that we also will easily read something in English? Because sure. that's the language that goes into our mind. So there's a lot of, I don't know if he knew it or if he just walked into this, if, if uh, the divine hand pushed him into this. But the, the, the demand, when he saw Miguel's Esther, he, he described to me in, in that conversation, seeing people going to shul. Right. That Purim night with Miguel. I think like, I did
0: that. I think I did that. He was
1: like, Wow. I, I didn't see that coming. So he realized that there was a, a
0: demand here. So either he was going to meet it, or somebody else was. But it was time. Unbelievable. And you would and you would say, and I think you point this out that n- not just what the Gedola Yisrael, the Torah giants, pointed out regarding the English language, but in addition to that, they sort of forced him with their enthusiasm for this project to keep going forward. Right. Without that. They were really into it, so to speak. It, it seems like without their enthusiasm, it's possible he may not have continued. Enthusiasm and encouragement. And right. I, I wrote this in the book. Somebody thought maybe it should come
1: out. The will be in later. Right. Uh, he stood by this. We put in a line there. He said, Vyakov uh, Kamenetsky was asked him to put a Treyasar. So he knew treyasa. Those farms are never going to sell. Right. But there's no hope of it being profitable. Chomish. Profitable. <laughs> yeah that, uh, even the profit can't be profitable, profitable. excellent <laughs> yeah um profitable <laughs> and uh, so he said the galim told us what to do they never told us how to make payroll that was his line and i put it in the book right um so you know somebody read it before and they said it's irreverent i said he said it i heard it from his mouth yeah if he would have felt frank- it irreverent he wouldn't have said it yeah a- and it's the truth that means we to encouraged him he knew it would be a loss and i'm sure till today that they're say, for daniel i don't think that they're making much money on that right. but they felt it had to be done especially since uh there, there's not a lot of uh, even hebrew this. right things. there's not a lot written through the ages
0: right and we know what the you know what the schools and yeshivas concentrate on and those are generally not the types of things that they do concentrate on so you know For sure right although you know there might be a revolution in that area as well but that's for a different day i guess right for sure um uh, early in the morning to create a revolution <laughs> Strolly, after <laughs> breakfast we'll is here in america's one and only jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, around the world in the web at on the Siegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app, which I'm sure you tune into uh, up there in Montreal. Um, yeah. Research for this book, you've written six books, many of them biographies, or biography-like at least. Uh, research for this book, very different than the others? How would you, how would you classify it? It was different in the sense,
1: first of all, that there was a tremendous uh, time limit on it. He right. passed away, and Gadalia called me and said, I need it for the arts. Right. It's,
0: it's, You're it's, lucky Gadalia did didn't
1: it... say he needs it for the <laughs> like his father did. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, you know, we, we hit the grand running in terms of time. We had, there was a tremendous uh, right. uh, tension, which was good uh, yeah. in retrospect. Right, you knew well the deadline's you sit the on deadline. A for ten deadline. You, right. you never really want to hit send on the final manuscript in any book because right. you always think you could do a little bit better. So that was nice, in a way, to have that deadline. The research was different. I, 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 I use the word normal, not to say that the other right. books were normal. But this is not a cuddle book. This was different right. than any other book I ever did. Uh, somebody told me yesterday, he said, I learned three things from of Lodowitz. The importance of family. Right, no question. The importance of keeping your word. Right. And the importance of restaurants. <laughs> um, so, I understood somebody who was trying to right. say, he was saying it's, it's a book of a guy like us who just took the opportunities that may, maybe was a little more focused or driven than us, but, but he was a guy like us. That you right. could talk to about, where do you and, and he asked me that many times. Would you New York for a couple of days. we supper tonight. He, he needed to know what did he eat. What type of person yeah. are you? <laughs> uh, what type of person? He was interested. He right. wanted people to enjoy food, right. and, and that was something. And it was a means, of course, but it was also an end. Right. Um, well, he seems to have been a great conversationalist in general. For sure.
0: So this was a big topic for him.
1: For sure. But what right. I'm trying to say is it, it was somebody from the bottom up, not right. from the top down. That right. means there, there are books about great men, some which I've written, and, and some which others have written, The men who have, as I said, were born at the top of the mountain. And they did great things at the top of the mountain. Uh, many people who were with him in Yeshiva by Ramaisha told me, This is really a story. This is your world, Nachum. This is a story about Ramaisha Feinstein and of David Feinstein, really, All in right. the background, and, and their belief in him. And their brand of, of the encompassing Torah knowledge and traditional Yiddishkeit in America. Right. You know, they're the defining family, probably even the first family of Yiddishkeit in America is Ramaisha Feinstein and now Rabbi David Feinstein. And that's his story. So people told me, I knew Meir's Lottery was in Yeshiva. I was with him by Ramaisha. And I'm eating myself up that I didn't develop a bigger connection with Amesha, I would also have done something greater. You know, Amesha sawed at him. David told me he sawed at him.
0: Others didn't. Right. And uh, someone pointed out to me yesterday that the summer camping experience also helped shape him. When, when that arena gave him the opportunity to shine in areas that one, frankly, would never shine in the yeshiva environment. Never shine, right? and that's, a good, think- that's a good plug for the... Uh, Pretty summer camps out there. So
1: the, we talk with Ali, will be in later. He's, a, you know, he's a, goes to camp monk still. Still uh, for, to this day. Yeah, he'll tell you about that. I'm sure he loves to talk wow. about it. And this book is so much of a validation. You know, the, the school year got a little longer, right? And the shrunk camp, right? And that's something to discuss another day, also, right? Um, but camp right. opens up. This does inside a child. It's, it's sure. true for all of us, I think, uh, that that the yeshivas can open, right? Not for any lack right. on their, Just part. based it's on just, schedule is, right, and activities. Right. It's impossible. He impossibly different. This types. Kid comes in, not a ball player right and as we wrote in the book he had a speech impediment that made it hard for him to be just one of the guys and based and on
0: his early life very painful his walking etc you know Physical difficult and, and painful right? and
1: and ray monk just saw this thing in him and mrs. Monk, now mrs ray monk said this is the alcove where he stood he stood up and showed me he would stand here all day and my father-in-law would just keep giving him oak tags and papers and as soon as one project was done get on to the next one and i think he he understood in camp that art was was not just a, a pastime but it was a way of
0: conveying something, and mm-hmm. then never left them. And expressing yourself and expressing for the greater community as well. He felt that it was a big way to express for the community as well. Uh, Strolly Bessers here. We're talking about the book about Romare's Lotto. It's, it's available everywhere, artscroll.com. I'm assuming it's selling really well. I'm assuming it's... It, uh, it should be available,
1: tr- but they're always sold out. So I assume, Seriously? Well, all the time. They keep keeps, you know, if People send me pictures from stores. There's a book left. There's two books left. You'll talk to Adalia, I'll ask him about Oh, we'll bring in in a couple
0: of minutes. And and you're getting amazing reaction, I assume. You as the author are getting amazing reaction. Oh, for some people are very nice. I, I think they learn from the book Had to, to be nice. Do people accomplish. do what I do? do that I nitpick on certain little things that you did or didn't do in the book? No one no? does it like you. <laughs> no one does like No, you shine.
1: <laughs> you, you are an all-star nitpicker. <laughs> all those things that you're not sure you, you,
0: you know. Uh, well, I'm wondering about why you would use this word instead of a different word and all that stuff. Um... You know, we have uh, your brother, Nate, on
1: one extreme, and we have you at the other extreme, and most people go somewhere in between. Oh, there These you go. I'm glad
0: we've finally been categorized. <laughs> now it's public. Now, it's, now nobody can argue These anymore. compliments.
1: You're nitpicking and everybody else.
0: I like it. So the um, he writes this English translation and commentary on Esther in 1975. He asks Robert Sherman to write the introduction, and the team of Zlatovitz and Sherman becomes, you know, excuse the term, the Rodgers and Hammerstein of Jewish academic life, certainly Talmudic and, you know, scholarly biblical life. I mean, who could argue that? Um, in fact, I would assume that uh, this, in addition to his family, this, is, this must have been a, very, a devastating experience, Shrevei Sherman, losing Rabbi Zlatovitz. Seriously. It must
1: devastating, be. and at the same time, it was amazing to watch him understand. that He was older than Rabbi Lodowitz for uh-huh. several years. Uh, Still is, right? I told this to Rabbi Sherman. Sherman, I, th- I think it's safe to say it on the air. I was in our school one day. But uh, two summers ago talking about, either it was for the article or a book I was doing, and Rabbi Sherman was leaving for the weekend to, up to Camp Morris. Right. So uh, a mayor Zlato had said to him, uh, have a nice weekend, have a good Shabbos. What are you taking with you? He wasn't coming into work Friday. He had a sheaf of papers on those arms that he was working on. She so said, I'll be looking over this project, that project. So he said, take a little more with you. And he, he gave him something else. I said, would you mind looking this over as well? And then Rabbi Sherman left. So Rabbi Sherman says to me, I don't want you to think that I'm just pushing him to do more work. I'm a slave work. driver, right. <laughs> um, I know Rav Nassen and I know what keeps him young and fresh. He needs work to be, to be vibrant. I, I need to do that for him. That means I need to know that he is himself. And by, by giving him that extra thing to look over, by stimulating him that way, I'm going to make sure he has a good weekend. He wanted me to understand the seeming disrespect of him saying, could you take right. another thing? And uh, Robert Sherman has, has risen up to the, you know, him oh, and Heather Thoreau i have. Uh, I've heard this from people in corporate world. I heard it from Jay Schattenstein. I heard it from uh, Schleim Award. Ago. I had a good and others. They said they'd never seen such a seamless transition. Right. Somebody passes away the day after Shivik. is in his chair. Nassim's in his office. And, and the projects, everything met schedules, deadlines, payroll, all of it. It's as if, and yet, like you said, it was a devastating loss. It's not sure. as if, you know, okay, move over. I'm here. Mehazladowicz was carrying art school. He was the heart of art school. And he said this to somebody in in uh, told it to me. Or maybe Pesach Kron. Somebody went to visit him, but two weeks before his passing in. Uh, In the the hospital. And he said, uh, I always thought that I can't leave the office for five minutes. They're managing. Wow. That was interesting. An
0: interesting revelation. Yeah. Um, That sold out, back to the mcgillis Esther. 20,000 copies in the span of two months. And then, according to this, by 1990, right, 15 years later, Archical had produced more than 700 books. This is pre-Bavli, right? This is pre-Gamara. I assume it, I assume Sitter's out already by then, right? Yeah. I assume so. Yeah. But this is this is 1990. Uh, by the way, a period of time where I know there were some skeptics about, you know, just like you'll find today. You know, what else could Art Scroll do? What, what else? Could, po- what else could they possibly provide for the Jewish world? And then after these 700 books, then they really start to take off. But when you think of that number, 715 years, it's like it's remarkable. Yeah. It's uh, you know many people talk about Art as the apple of the firm world which doesn't do it justice,
1: but in terms of uh, what are they going to do next and show us what we need there were very few things that Archos did that pe- that didn't meet a need that people didn't even realize that they had, right? You know so it wasn't
0: just that's innovation true. it was
1: innovation meeting with an, an incredible
0: sense that's true. of the public of knowing I'm the pu- public. I'm trying to think I'm trying to think what would fit into that category you just said and already. Things like benching, things like tashlich, children's like books. Children's I remember books. Re- Re-
1: lawyer, um, his father told this to me about him. He said Rehudalia was one who pushed him towards cookbooks. As you right. know, many of our school's cookbook authors are affiliated with your Correct. show. These are people who uh, we hear on the app. Right. They're your people as well. And, and he didn't hear that right away, Rehudalia. Um, and I convinced hmm. him. And then he said at a certain point, if we're celebrating the, the whole experience of Jewish living and living like an Orthodox halachic Jew in this world, 2010 or 2011, 2012. The cookbooks are a big part of it. Right. And he went into that as well, and and
0: of course, in that market, they also shown. Right. All right, we're going to bring in uh, Rabbi Gedaly Lotowitz in a minute. I I just with you for a moment, with you for a moment. Your impressions about a couple of different things. Uh, many will discover from the book that Rabbi Mayer's Lotowitz had many challenges. Some challenges that that you know, many people thank God never have to deal with, whether they be financial problems. Whether it be divorce and being put into a situation where he is now a single father of three children, three very young children, right? How does someone in his thirties, a you know, man in his thirties, deal with that? Very difficult challenges. And yet, every one of them he took on head on. You know, with the encouragement again of his Rebaim, or Moshe Feinstein, Rav David Feinstein, etc. He took them on head on and and won each battle. It seems like, and I don't. It doesn't seem to me like you're exaggerating in the book. Like he literally. You know, faced not up to one. Right, he faced up not, not not very good. He faced up to these challenges and really excelled through them.
1: Right. Um What would you say to that? You know, I'm not certainly somebody who can who can uh who can offer analysis of it, but I could tell you that you see throughout the book that he didn't give in to self-pity. That was one of his right. you looked at Amos Never Lottowicz. felt sorry. I for looked at himself. Right. Uh, he looked to me like the man who had everything. He just he walked into right. a room and, and people gravitated to him. I never thought uh, until the very, very end of his life, um, I, I never even noticed that he had, a, a, you know, the uh, this problem walking upstairs. Right. And I, I was at a meeting. That you him, write a lot about. Um, which I didn't know. Right. Because the way he carried himself, he projected such a uh, such a happiness. Um, I, I didn't write this in the books. I don't even know that I'm a gifted enough writer to do justice to what I'm about to say. But there's a rabbits in Gornish and Flatbush was his landlord for the years that he was alone. I remember raising the children that, right. alone. Right. So she said the sounds to her of Mayer's lot are two sounds. It's dice hitting the floor on Shabbos afternoon when he was playing board games with his kids, and then the clack of the typewriter throughout the night. And I, I thought that was beautiful. I didn't write it in the book because I didn't even have a way to convey. A father of young children understands what that means, um, to sit down on a Shabbos afternoon. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned earlier, Shabbos afternoons are sacred to some of us fathers. Yeah, thanks a lot. Not uh, <laughs> specifically playing board games with our children, right. but they were children, and they needed to be entertained. And at that point, he was a father and a mother. So he rose up to that
0: challenge, just like every other challenge. Right. That became his thing. Right. And at night, it was back to the typewriter. Finally, before we invite Rebecca Dahlia in, would you call this a Muster book? Would you call this a Muster Safer? Would you call it a book that literally can help one guide their own life? It's very much also a Muster book, for sure. It's, it's full
1: of uh, whatever the bookstore is called self help, inspiration, personal growth. On every line, uh, to anybody who has any eye for for nuance and development, will see that there's not a page in the book that won't uh, intangibly influence the way you relate to your parents, your spouse, your children, your employers, your employees. It changed me.
0: Based on my questions to you off the air, you said to me, you know, Nahum, there are people who read a book as a window and there are people who read a book as a mirror. And clearly I, meaning me in this case, read it as a mirror. Window would mean what? Just information, right? Just you, you're reading How a book. How was and- school made? That's fascinating.
1: Right. The making of revolution. They changed the world. It tells right, very something cool. About Glad history. I know the story, et right. But that doesn't mean anything to me exactly. It doesn't reflect the. The mirror me, right.
0: means I now incorporate or want to incorporate some of Rizalado with greatness into my own life, into my own daily activities. Et greatness
1: and his normalness. Not only the great right. things, the normal things he did. Right. There's nobody really who can't benefit from this reminder about when your kid calls you and you're doing something else you would rather not be doing whatever right. they want you to do with them, the importance of it. And you see after his
0: passing, the, the relationship uh, that his kids have with each other right. and with him. Amazing. Um, Rabbi Gedalia Zlatovich is here. He is taking uh, position number two in our conversation. What do you think of that, Rabbi Besser? He's taking position number one. <laughs> I just happened to be here first. <laughs> this is the only place where he's number two. <laughs> he's in position number one at Art Scroll, that's for sure. And Rabbi Gedalia Zlatovich, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome you here to JM in the AM.
2: Good morning, Nachum. Good morning. I assume morning. you've
0: heard what Rabbi Besser did to a couple of my Shabbos afternoons over the last few weeks. You told me also. I told you, all right. Not I, I let that. you have it. I let you have it about it. That 200 pages, one Shabbos, and another 200 the next Shabbos, and it's a book you simply can't put down. If not, if not for Havdalah, not getting back into the work week, I never would have put it down. It's a fascinating work. It's really incredible. And um, of course, of course, as you can imagine, this you probably have heard from so many people especially since his passing but especially since the book came out all of us now wish we knew him better during his lifetime i I wish i could have gotten firsthand advice from him i wish i could have been a just move a drop closer thank you I i wish i could have been a beneficiary of his wisdom of his you know of his wit frankly and, and his kindness. And I'm sure you've heard that from a lot of people. A
2: lot of people, even people that were very close to him tell me after they read the book, there were parts of his life they didn't even realize. People who knew him for 40, 50 years. That was incredible. They knew one angle, two angles, and Srilly just brought in everything. And they really had the same feeling, like I wish I knew him, you know, the whole person.
0: What were your instructions to Srilly Besser when this project started? Because not. I would assume that an author can take this in a hundred different directions.
2: So there were two instructions, get it out by the yard side. because right. <laughs> <laughs> everything is deadline driven by us. Right. But the instruction was be honest and inspire people. My father's always felt that anything we do, especially biographies, are not meant to give a full historical picture and to list every fact. Many times there are facts in someone's life that are not meant to be written. Things happen, and, you know, you leave that out. His feeling always was that any biography that we come out with, any story of a Godel, any story of a person, is meant to inspire. If the story's not going to inspire someone, don't write it. Don't get into it.
0: Have you witnessed how uh, the supply at Judaica stores of this book continues to dwindle?
2: <laughs> we keep on filling them up, and, but it's more the comments we're getting from people. Right. I mean, so many emails and so many texts how this is already changing their life. You know, one person in particular comes to mind who had a very rough two years and said this is his Shulchan Aruch and how to restart his life. If May's Zlatowicz could overcome all those challenges, so can I. He was a regular person.
0: Pretty amazing. I know what it's like uh, to go back after Shiva to a high-profile job. Uh, and I also know the importance of doing that. I was told it a thousand times during Shiva, and sure enough, uh, sure enough, I got up from Shiva on, on Sunday, and the next day did a show with Nefesh B'Nefesh on a flight to Israel. So so I know what that feeling is like. So you, as Surly Besser just described, walk in with Ray Sherman to Scroll headquarters, literally the day after Shiva, and you know, as uncomfortable or different as it might feel, that there's only one way to go, and that is for you to take over your father's work and to, and to hit the ground running. We always use the expression as he would have wanted. In this case, we know that that's exactly what he would have wanted, right? And then Rabbi Sherman essentially assuming the same role that he's always had uh, with all his experience behind him there at your side.
2: I told a lot of people that walked into the shiva. it was a bit of a joke, but I told them, I hear my father telling me, Gedalia, you have seven days off, right. but when this is over, you better hit the ground running and right. keep on going. And that's exactly that's how it works. That's what he drove into us. He never looked back. Right. That's really said before, he never looked back and said, look how much I accomplished, and now I could stop and take it easy. It was always, we have to look forward, and we have to do more.
0: Um, what would be another highlight of this past year, then, for Art Scroll, aside from this book? Because I assume if... Business went back to as usual. We've had releases over the last twelve months, right?
2: We had a lot of releases, but more exciting is that we started a lot of new projects. A lot of new projects are in the work. A lot of people stepped up and said they want to sponsor things, and we've gotten so many ideas. Whether it was Targum Uncles that's coming out for Baruches, we started Tosvos on Shas. There's so many things happening.
0: By the we, way, my kids have gone nuts about the Tosvos on Shas yeah, thing. They saw excited. the sample that you had given out. And they're like, oh, finally, like this yeah. is going to be a real life changer, you know? Yeah, this is, it's a, and
2: that's really what we were taught. You know, yeah. even before the projects end, you have to start thinking about the next projects. In addition to that, we have a coal of over 100 top Tamida scholars. Are they, are they in the building? No, they're not. They're worldwide. We call it our cola without walls. Right. You know, these days you could work anywhere. Right. And, you know, we feel it's our obligation, if we can, to keep on giving them work keep them employed as long as they're servicing the community and producing projects that people want that will help oh, okay. them. So Now
0: all my curiosity is going to start coming out, but I have to ask you since I have this unique opportunity of having you here. There are a hundred very, very serious Kolel rabbis. Yes. I've met some of them at your gatherings. They are very, you know, people talk about people going to Kolo and using their time wisely. In this case, across the board, sure. every Jew will agree. Rabbi Bess, you agree with me? That these are top-notch, the, the people who really should be spending their entire day in front of the books. Right. Who, who supervises them? Who tells them what is next? Who edits their work? Who who guides them that their work has to reflect what Art Scroll is? Well, like anything
2: else, there are managers and middle managers who are in their own right, and you have to build a team, and everyone... Is instructed to produce a certain amount every week obviously to keep the same level that we expect of them at the beginning of a project there's a lot of tinkering you know you try one way it doesn't work you go to another way and till you get it right but everyone has to be watched over like anything else and I
0: think I've asked you this question before if not then then someone from the organization is it possible that because there is an editor, I assume, of Masechas Brojos, and there, I assume, is another editor of Masecha's Shabbos, for instance, is, is it possible that, that someone might be able to detect a different style, a different you know, uh, approach to content? It's an
2: excellent question. So, as far as the original writing goes, yes, you'd be able to tell. But what happens is, we, there's writers, and then there's, there's an editing process, and there's a super editing process, and then it goes to one final reader. So every blot of Gemara, let's go with the Schattenstein Talmud, every blot of Gemara that we're using today was looked over by at least seven or eight editors, wow. from the writer to the final reader. The job of the final reader is to make sure there's consistency throughout. So someone who has a very good eye would probably right. be able to pick out subtle differences. Right. Just but like o- a spell checker right. has a
0: certain expertise. This Correct. is a style but checker. But overall,
2: the style is
0: going to be very similar throughout that. We'll you don't like envy it. that guy, do you? No, you'd rather <laughs> stick with the writing I'm of the book. not applying books, right? for that job. <laughs> you really? not lying, right? like some
2: magazine writing. Your
0: father was a perfectionist, right? You'd agree with that. Oh, yes. It, uh, I remember a moxer, I think it was a moxer, that came out. Where there was some type of misprint and Art Scroll actually offered and sent to people stickers to place in that moxa to replace or to you know to overlay the words that were, you know, misprinted. You remember this?
2: That's half the story. At the beginning we came out with a circus marser which was rushed because of a deadline. That right. we found a few errors and we started producing stickers. Right. It ended up there were so many errors that we had a total recall on the Marza. We actually put in newspaper advertisements
0: and told people send it back. And, and exchange we'll send it. you
2: a new one when it comes out so the
0: misprinted one is likely nowhere at this point they're buried that's unbelievable yeah, we took them back thousands of because dollars. my point was that that must have frustrated him tremendously it did but my point really, yeah I the get main your point, point is sure. that when he Look saw that it was more than
2: one or two right. errors he had a recall took them all back at a cost of tens of thousands of dollars. We had a whole shameless problem. Where to put them? Right. But you know, he said that's the right thing to do.
0: Yeah, I would assume your offices, and we'll get to everything. I hope, but I would assume your offices are ever expanding. H- how is it possible to do all this work with all these books and produce the ones that you that that you make and not? We're talking about books here. You know, this 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 isn't radio files that we can keep That's on one right, computer. Digital. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly.
2: Well, it's interesting. Maybe we'll do a show one day in the boundary a, of our I'd show. love to do a video show a from A video show would yeah. be amazing. But over the last few years, this um, new technology called print-on-demand. All right. So in the old days... Right. going back 15 years you used to have to store a lot of books right store a lot of books right. yeah every printing had to be 1500 to 2000 now with print on demand you could do two three hundred right. a time yeah that
0: i get but nonetheless but nonetheless it's, it's got to be oh, yeah. and what about the submissions are they still coming in fast and furious about or not or every day are there a lot of good ideas or are there very few good ideas mm,
2: there's some good ideas but and it,
0: and Strolley and, and, uh, mentioned the cookbook, um, um, yeah. what do we call it, genre, what do we call it, cookbook section of, of art? Arch- is that still moving quickly or is it slowing down?
2: Listen, when Susie Frischbein first came to us, as you know, sure. now, I can be very close with her, sure. it was it took the world by storm. Correct. I mean, her first book sold over 110,000 copies, which is unheard of in our industry. And it was
0: only printed in English, correct? Only printed in English. 110,000 copies. And then the
2: other ones were 75,000 range. Now it's because everyone jumped right. on the bandwagon and there are so many of them and they're all so good. Right. You know, the numbers drop, but they're still, you know, the women want it. It's great. It's many people don't even use it. They just say they read it like a coffee table book. They enjoy it so much. Yeah, and no stories question. and things like that. It's Pictures. good to have this afternoon at the table yeah. sometimes. <laughs> Let's make this. Not Let's for you. Make... No, not for me, but I've seen, I've seen people actually. You still have it. to catch up on your sleep. <laughs>
0: Thank you. Someone understands. <laughs> All right. Here are two big issue questions. Then, and I'd love you to participate in this. Shirley um, mentioned earlier, and it's no secret. You, you, I think, rightfully made a very big deal about this at the Art Scroll gathering recently. That was in memory of your father. Um, no apologies for writing biographies the way they do at Art headquarters. Meaning, it, it's not that there there are critics around the world who you know categorize Art Scroll biographies a certain way. And are unchallenged, they are challenged back by your father first, and now everybody else, that that we are fully, we, we, have, we have full disclosure that this is how we operate. We are here to inspire. We are here to tell stories that will positively affect people's lives. And I think that's the best approach. I think that's the best way to do it. That's the only way we know. And it's always been like that. Always. For 40 on. years, it has I mean, always been like that. You go through all like our that.
2: biographies, and, and like you say, the critics point I out. I mean
0: I mean, the full disclosure has always been like that. Always, even your father years ago would be Definitely. would publicly say, this is how we handle it. This is, well, this is our goal. We had
2: to because people would always write letters or call up and say, how do you leave out this right. part of the person's life, this machlokis? And my father would say, why is that important to publish right now? We're not here to give a full historical perspective on the person's life. We're here to inspire them. Right.
1: It's fascinating that I didn't know this in the introduction to Miguel Sesta that your father wrote. He writes the word unapologetic, and he says if your goal in learning Miguel Sesta, if you want someone to create a work that's going to prove to you that Mordechai lived or that Shushan was a place, this is not your book. This is not academia. It's not what we're trying to do. But if you already believe it, and you just want to know how Chazal looked at every Pasek, and you want to know what we believe, this is your book. That means, I, th- I think he understood that he, there was a changing genre. The the uh, Jewish literature, rabbinic literature, and sure. all had been, very much, especially in English. Let's show the outside world that we're really authentic. Let's show the outside world, or let's show maybe Kiev movement. And he was saying, no, no, let's tell us about who we are. So of course he wasn't apologizing for
0: it, because he was was preaching to his choir. Right. Um, The fact that uh, your father's divorce is mentioned in the book, it's possible that some may have argued that it should not be included, because why include it? Yet, I was told that that it's I shouldn't say possible. I was told that the feeling was that this can only that his story, as we described it, bouncing back from this you know difficult situation, this difficult challenge, uh, can only inspire people. And today, everyone here knows that there is unfortunately, compared to years past, rampant divorce in our community. And if it could only help people, both men and women, rebound, then all the better, right?
2: In my mind, this wasn't even a question when we sat down in
0: Camp Monk last summer to discuss the book
2: which is right after Shiva, yeah. I told Srili straight out, we have to be honest, we have to give all the struggles, we have to talk about the divorce, and I think Srili did a masterful job in mentioning it, not harping on it, right. giving the proper cover to all the
0: families. And also referring back to it when necessary. Right, right. And, and it was important. He, uh,
1: that's such an interesting thing. People so close to your father, I would ask them, did he talk to you about his divorce? And, mm-hmm. ladies, and most of them said no, unless they had been divorced, or they had a child who was divorced, and then it was open. He would call people who are going through divorce or whose children, which, as you mentioned, is unfortunately common, or more common than it's ever been. And he would say, "Let me tell you my story. Let me tell you where I come from. Let me tell you what I learned." Uh, especially since I'm sorry, uh, um, he he was able to do it in a way. You know, every every Rav and every therapist is urging people work together, even when people break up a marriage. They right. can still work together for the sake of the kids. Right. Look what he did! Credit to all everybody involved, all the parties right. involved, that this family came out so beautifully. In
2: her. He felt very strongly that every challenge in his life that he was able to overcome was meant to teach other people how to overcome that same challenge.
0: That's why God gave it to right. him. Right. And therefore, if it was the divorce,
2: if it was the fact that he was overweight and he ended up doing the lap band surgery, how many people he helped. He didn't hide it. Many people hide it. You know, everyone has a different way of going about it. But when he heard someone was going to go through that surgery, He called the person, he sat with them, he told them what it's all about, he gave them the time. He felt your personal challenge is meant to help others.
0: Amazing. Amazing. The other big issue, again, please include yourself in this, uh, he had had what many people, let's be frank, he had what many people in what some would call the yeshiva world are not ready to... uh, are are not ready to utilize. He had a mida, I would say, or an approach that a lot of people are not ready to utilize. And that is attitude toward those who are non observant. Uh, it, it's obvious that um, support for Art Scroll's work comes from across the board. And major support for Art Scroll's work comes from uh, across the board. People who are, uh, you know, very, um, who who are guided 100% by, you know, Torah and, and, and ritual, and those who are. You know, separated from Torah and ritual, but yet feel the importance of supporting it and being part of this whole picture. If, if I'm and if I'm not mistaken, one of the most important people in the Masora Heritage Foundation is somebody from you know who who is unaffiliated from uh, somewhere in the Midwest. I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, who discovered. Am I right or wrong about that? Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, maybe, Joel Fleischman? Maybe I'm making an assumption. No, he's he's he, religious. He is he's, religious. a
2: Shabbos. But we, definitely, we cover the spectrum right. from what we would call super Yeshivish, right? To very modern, orthodox, and even people are just traditional. Torah right. is for everyone. Torah unites Jews.
0: Right. And but a lot of people at the helm of Art Scroll may not have made the attempt to include everybody on those lists or everybody in the activities of the organization. It seems your father had no problem reaching out to those who may behave Jewishly different than he does. My father looked at a
2: Jew as a Jew. It didn't make a difference what hat they wore, how they dressed, what they did. You know, if they wanted to support Torah, he wanted them to be on board. He wanted to give them the schus.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I mentioned this in the book. There was a yeshiva of Waterbury. Rabbi yeah. Kaufman told me that. A lot of us once stopped him and said, Waterbury is the art school of yeshivas for all Jews. He loved the idea that there's a yeshiva that accepts everybody. Right. And he said, that's us. You know, we're trying to do this. So he think. knew it. He knew way. <laughs> we are for
0: everybody. All right. Unbelievable. Uh, both uh, Srilly Besser, the author of Rabbi Mayer Zlotowitz, and uh, Rabbi Gedalia Zlotowitz, who now heads Art Scroll, are in our studio. The book is entitled, Rabbi Mayer Zlotowitz: His Vision, Wisdom, and Warmth Lit Up the World. We are highly, highly recommending it. You can go to artscroll.com, and I assume probably any Judaica store on this planet at this point, Everyone and find is. it. And um, and uh, you'll enjoy it. It is It is really an amazing book with incredible insights into Rabbi Zlatowicz and it's a life changer for many of us who are trying to incorporate some of Rabbi um, uh incredible abilities into our own lives. I'm laughing because you know many of us at this stage in our lives have an Arab Shabbos list of people we want to be in touch with before Shabbos. Donors, supporters, family, friends, those who are in difficult situations who are in fact in, in my case people I know who are going through divorce, people who are in in challenging health situations, you want to make sure that they know that there are people who care. And we all have that list. Right. Your father's <laughs> list must have started on Wednesday morning. <laughs> I, <don't, laughs> I, mean, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't, if you add up all the stuff that Srilly Besser claims your father did on a personal level for family and friends, there are not enough hours in the week to actually do that.
2: I don't know how we had the time, but I always <laughs> think back to what Moshe Sherr said if you need something done, ask a busy person. Right, they get it done. And it's unbelievable. I don't know how he did it. I'm a bit serious. My wife is the hero over here. I'm, my life has totally changed. I leave early in the morning, right. come late at night. Friday at 5 o'clock, she's calling, when are you going to be home? And I'm still trying to catch up and make every phone call to the people who need it. It's, just, it's amazing. I don't know how he did it, but he did it. He really did it because everyone's telling the stories, and they're all and true. And he seemed
0: to do it in a calm, efficient manner. Not with the haphazardness that some of us might. Very
2: organized. Right. As you know, he was yeah. very organized.
0: See, because people keep telling me, I thought it was only me. I heard that right. from so many people, which means
1: it wasn't checklist because they would have felt that. Of course. They felt it was only them. That means he really gave himself
2: over to them. People who went through divorce, like you say, one of our donors told me recently that when he was going through a challenging time of a divorce about 15 years ago, my father called him every Friday but spent a half hour, 45 minutes with him on the phone. How did he have that? And Which means he was calm, like you say, relaxed, talking it out with him and not rushing him off. You could tell when someone's, okay, good job, I have to go. He really uh, felt it till I mean, this day. Respect
1: for people is tremendous in the book. It, it somebody told me that they came, close, someone close to him came in to visit him. They don't live in New York. They happen to be in New York. They were in Brooklyn. They came by, and he welcomed him. He greeted him. He sat with him, and we have this in the book that he told one of your nieces, he told one of his granddaughters, when you speak to people, make eye contact, it conveys respect. He really received him. Later, we sent him an email. He said, thanks so much for coming by. I would ask then in the future, let me know before you come, because I want to receive you the way you receive a human being, anybody really. So I needed to clear my schedule, and I wasn't able to do that for you, so next time, please let me know. That means it it was serious. It wasn't like, hey, what's up? Fist bump, have a good day. Good to see you.
2: Text. Yet at the same time that he was juggling donors, like you say, and these are important people and wonderful people who... He really had a car to, to when a grandchild or a child well, called, is, this, he dropped everything. Well, this is
0: a, a, another area that I just can't get over. You have, thank God, Bali Ein Hura, a very large family. The extended Zlatowitz family is, thank God, voluminous, right? Yes. It's a large family. And yet, he had a dedicated phone line that, unless maybe one of the rabbis Feinstein called, <laughs> nobody else would be able to interrupt the call. That, that dedicated phone line was for children and grandchildren. And as in, and as you say, if there was, and, and you know what got me from the book, that he would find out about, um, you know, chumish plays and different events in school that, that you guys would not tell him about because you and knew he go. and he would end up going That's right. because he found out about it and he knew what it would mean to the grandchild. I mean, you know, there are a lot of grandfathers that make a re- really good excuses for missing those. You know a lot of,
2: A lot of business people tell me that.
0: The travel, it doesn't make sense. He's tra- the, the whole book is he's always on the road, and the whole book is he's always at home. So, explain that. How could you always be on the road, you know, meeting with donors, thanking people, traveling, exploring different projects, and at the same time, always being there for your, for every generation of your family? I don't know. I, I can't answer I that. Question. That's one of the things about this book. It's baffling to me, this book. It's baffling. It does. The whole thing doesn't make sense. not enough hours in the day or hours in the week to it, do all of this. It's
2: like Eliyahu and he going to every bris.
0: Right, he do exactly.
2: It. But he's there by every bris. You know? yeah,
1: Malcolm online, who's sure. read the shows, sure. um, told this to me about your we'll father. I'll speak to him tomorrow. He <laughs> said, why don't you ask him about Rebaz Lodowitz? Uh, so he told me one of the things Rebaz Lodowitz told him was the very overlooked importance of just showing up. He said, really? you know, he told him that years ago before. Today it's easier, so to speak, right. to be in different places at once. Through you know, uh, you can you can acknowledge something right. without actually he showed up to things. And he was busy; he was a very busy person. But it's invaluable the relationship you create by just showing up for somebody. And you hear it again and again from his people throughout the book. He was there for me when I woke up from surgery. He came mm-hmm. into uh, my father's yard site. The things that he would show up for, I'm there for you. So
0: they were there for him. It's amazing. It's whole so much for us amazing.
2: to learn, because it means it, we do have time in our lives we really do have time
0: tell me about page 253 gedalia if i may by the way facebook.com slash nachom single network to see this entire conversation live as it's happening facebook.com slash nachom single network you're also invited to go to the nsn app and comment away if we don't get to your comment today believe you me we'll see it meaning if we don't see it during the show we'll see it right after and we're very curious to see what you have to say about this conversation about the book about Rabbi Zlotowicz, page two fifty three, the wedding reception of Chaim and Shira Zlotowicz. This is, I assume, grandchild or child, the youngest son. Oh, youngest son. Okay, so Rabbi Zlotowicz, youngest son, your youngest brother. So this happened in November of two thousand seven, and your fo- and believe me. I have been involved in wedding schedules more than most people, right? More than most people, I am concerned about wedding schedules. And my own wedding, 28 years ago, I sat down with a caterer and was basically told, I know that you think you know the schedule, we're going to do it this way, right? But he puts out, he he publishes, he he produces on his typewriter or computer a wedding reception um, schedule, that, for whatever reason, he feels, I guess for the benefit of the guests, that you guys adhere to, right? Did it did it work, in fact? To the minute. And every time the he, caterer said, every time no he sat with
2: the caterer, they rolled their eyes right. and said, everyone comes in with a schedule, it's not going to work. It worked. He felt and that. And that
0: was important because he felt there's only a limit to how much you could be matriarch or bother the hundreds of people who are there.
2: I think it's more than that. I think he felt that everyone's time is so precious right. that if you say something's going to happen at a certain time, and people take, you know, change their schedule to be there. How could you not start on time?
0: I felt it was appropriate that for two weeks I'm telling everybody this interview starts at seven fifty. And as Surya and I started, I saw seven forty nine fifty nine <laughs> on the clock. I said, "Wow, Rabbi Sladowitz would be happy with this." We started the interview about him exactly when it should have started.
2: I'll, I'll Just give you a small. <laughs> joke. I my father lived on Avenue K and he's twenty first. Right. I live on K and he's thirty first. Mm-hmm. How long does it take to drive? Ten it's blocks. Ten, ten, Two minutes. Right. So when I would pick him up, sometimes to take him to work, so he would make up with me, okay, you'll pick me up at 7 o'clock. Then he would call me back and say, you're leaving your house at 7 or you'll be by me at 7. Right. That's how important every minute was. Right. But that's, I guess, how you accomplish so much. Exactly.
0: Uh, ever a time when he would say to you, and, and again, most of us, because we know you know, what a new experience is like, might say the McGill-Ossester. But was there... Another work where he would say to you or family, this is my, this is my favorite, this is the one I worked on that I'm most proud of. This is the, you know, I think like his
2: that? two volume voracious. It was originally six right. volumes. Right. Bracious
0: and Noach in the first volume, right?
2: Right. And then every two power shields was a different volume. Now we combined it all into two volumes. Right. I think that besides Miguel Sesto it started it all. I
0: think that was like the apple of his eye. He put a lot of work into that.
2: probably the best work I ever done on Gracious, wow.
0: Now, how do I know it? How do I know Where that the first volume is bracious and Noach? I mean, something must have made an impression on me. You have a mitzvah? No. So the, for, <laughs> for the first Shabbos ever at the New Springville Jewish Center, the aforementioned Rabbi Nate Siegel yes. stands up after Shalashites and says, I am handing everybody here this volume of Bracious and Noach, wow. Rabbi Meir Lotowitz, so that years from now when others claim they were here for the first Shabbos at New Springville Jewish <laughs> Center, if, only That's if you incredible. have. Is that great? That's you great. You know, like everyone said they were at Lou Gehrig <laughs> That's Day. That's right. where were you? Know, you? We, right, all of a sudden, there were 200,000 people in the stadium. you <laughs> know stadium that holds 50,000. So he said, every, the, the, but the 10 people incredible. who were here will have I remember that. It's it's, uh, it's funny. And a beautiful graphic, by the way. Beautiful. This is early 80s, a beautiful graphic. Same thing. mentioned earlier, that the mcgill Esther graphic change or from never there. changed never changed and uh, it must have given you a few thoughts about how the cover of your father of the book about your father would be yeah. <laughs> knowing that uh, you know it really had to reflect exactly that same uh that same theme i guess you, know, you would say like, graphic theme i guess you'd say graphic right. theme for
2: sure but i'm saying going back to braces sure. for a second anything you put right. your heart and soul into and so much time that's into we assume that's why that's what, what you to. love right. so much
0: All right amazing i'll tell you just absolutely yes. incredible um let's see what else i wanted to uh by the way, we should act, and and this is no, this is no big revelation to those who are familiar with our Torah giants of this and the prior generation. Um, so much of the Feinstein family is in your father. I mean, it's so obvious. Some of the things we're talking about, including the approach to other Jews, so to speak, as we mentioned earlier, and and uh, and dealing with challenges and being open with them. I mean, these are things that we luckily in this neighborhood see on a regular basis from Rav David Feinstein, and I'm sure many. Saw from Ramosha years ago. He spoke ago.
2: to Rabdavid practically every day of his life. They went on vacation every summer, which, as you know, started right. about what, 10, 15 years right. ago. And he didn't make a move without him. Anything he did had to get approved by Rabdavid, which was amazing. Here was a person who was accomplished. He was already, you know, even when he was older in his 60s, and he would have his mind set we're going to do this project. I know it's the right thing. And he would just go to Rabdavid to get the stamp of approval. And Rabdavid would say, I don't think so. And he dropped it. it no it. questions I assume, asked. I
0: assume you can't give us an example.
2: I mean, one of the examples I would just, off the top yeah. of my head, is that I know we, want, we wanted to do a Mission Bureau project. Yeah. David felt should not be done at that time, How which is interesting. Fascinating. And with R. David, there was no questions asked. R. David says no is no. And it, and R- you'd
0: have to assume 90% of what was brought to me did approve of. Yeah. Right, this was so the well. exception.
1: I have to add uh, two things I just wanted yeah. to mention. One is I didn't overdo it in the book because Reb David asked me not to, but I had heard that Abdavid had lent him personal funds to carry him through a difficult time. Wow. Um, and I confirmed it with Abdavid. It was $25,000, I think, which was his life savings, so David's own money. And he believed it was a tough time in the late 80s, maybe? Yeah. After mcgillis Esther, when there was a vision, but there was no way to make payroll, and Abdavid felt uh, his father was already gone, or Maisha was already gone, but Reb believed in it enough, and a lot felt much more than the loan, um, what empowered him was that his rebbe believed enough in his decision to do that. Um, you know, Obviously, he paid back the loan, but that wasn't the point. That mm-hmm. means his rabbi lent him money, which I think, I don't know if you're going to find another such uh, incident in Jewish history. The <laughs> rabbi lent the Talmud money to carry him through and invest him. And then the summer vacations, which we couldn't talk that much about, but you know you live in the neighborhood. What that means, Rav David told me. We know what Rav David told me. I never went. <laughs> I never went before, and I never will go with anybody else. He said, Rabbi Zlatowicz, um, the word he used was a, a mask al he, he perceived needs of other people. Robertson Simmer Feinstein had passed away that year, and Robert David was a, was a little overwhelmed. His mother right. passed away, and even though he wasn't a young person, right. it still affected yeah, him. Of and Rabbi came and said, we're going on vacation. He didn't use the word vacation the first year. The Holocaust Museum had opened in Washington. So he said, we'll go to Washington, and it wasn't a vacation. We'll go mm-hmm. see it. He said, what am going to do Mincha, He said, I figured it out already. Again, oh, knowing no, your father probably had it there all There was, a was no uh, Godavin.com right. then, <laughs> there's, there's but, he, but he was a very so He right. came, we're going to leave, I'm going to pick you up after Benchen Yeshiva. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was, it, was very, it was very cute. Uh, I'll share it here. He said, uh, him and his wife, Reb David and, and Rabbi Tamaka, looking at each other like, should they say, should they not say something? And then he laughs, he says, okay, I'll tell you. Uh, the first year after his wedding, he got married younger than some of his friends, and his friends made a road trip. They went across America, and they, they in a car, mm-hmm. and no cell phones, on. and they, they went. And his wife saw that like his friends were on a trip. It was hard for him. He was married. He was at home, saddled with a new family. So the next summer, she told him, go away with your friends, and I'll be okay. They had a baby already. And he, I don't know if he ended up going. They went back right. and forth. So she said he always was waiting for a vacation for like 50 years. He Since never, then. He never got to go away with friends. <laughs> and uh, I was so happy with Rabbi Slaughterway says, you'll we'll finally go away with friends. And she described to me the tightrope Rabbi Slaughterway walked between Talmud and friend. Because when, You don't want to go on vacation with the Talmud. Right. You don't want to get opening the door for you and standing up when you right. come into the room when you're on vacation. Right. But a mayor couldn't cross that line either. So at the end of every vacation, he would say, I want to ask Rabbi Mechila if I crossed the line. He was trying to be his friend. You know, they would take pictures together. They would go. A mayor. There's a, a picture in the book, I think. There's a picture
2: yeah. in the book. There's a picture in the book. They went to Seattle. They went to Niagara Falls. It's Montreal one, yeah. Oh, Montreal.
0: oh, I like the trip uh, to Seattle with the uh, with the engine propulsion or the propulsion R- engine. David yeah. had the whole thing. Right. right. And then the trip to Albany with the uh, telling the guide what year was really built, the building, right? Because right? he read it in a textbook. Yeah. Elementary school.
2: Is, uh, so. like, but what was amazing also, again, going back to my father being so busy, he took that week off. Right. And he wouldn't take phone calls when he was with R- David in the car, which was a lot of the time because they were traveling. Yeah, sure. And he came back and had to catch. He didn't care. His life stops for a David. That's a Talmud-Rebbe relationship. Right. And it's lacking today. A lot of that no is lacking. That. And he yeah. always felt that his success was because he had a Rebbe and listened to everything a David told him. Right. And, you, you, and most people about the Rebbe, it's about listening. It's
0: not about what can I do for him.
1: A David is missing him, and you see it. You know, Rav David has that lack in his life, and he lost a friend.
0: Wow. I gotta ask him next time he's walking to Shul and Shabbos about the Mission of I mean you mentioned it publicly so yes, I can Well if he wants to go on vacation with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh he likes my sense of humor, but I don't I don't think he's ready to travel with us really. <laughs> as far as I know. Um Tell this story to our listeners about uh, when he badly when, when Gidalia's father badly wanted his wife to sit in first class uh, in the one first class seat that was available on the airplane. Right. Um, so he, he went business, not first class. Right? Oh, but he, he had a ton of points. No, and there was a, an available seat in first class. Right.
1: One. So when he came, they told him he had so many points, and, right. uh, and they liked him. I, I put in the email, there, there was that anonymous, uh, faceless email from right. Al saying, it was just you know, going through the, the estate and, and the points transferring them to her name, formalities stuff that we deal with every so day. So they realize he had best away. And if you've dealt with halal, which I know you do, <laughs> yes. they're not what you would call like the paradigm of a warm, friendly customer service, right? It's not, you know. In th- fact, I was, told
0: that, I was told that Gedalia debated whether they should put a positive story about halal in the book. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and, and the person just wrote at the bottom, oh, Rabbi Sladov was such a mensch, right. which, is, which is exactly the fulfillment of Kiddush Hashem, right. as the Gemara says it. And so they said, we have this extra seat. So I, I heard this from his wife and Mrs. Zlatov. So she said, my husband right away said, okay, my wife will take it. And she said, no, he he has those leg issues. He travels so much. As right. soon as we land in Israel, I'll be going to the hotel, he'll be going to work. Right. He needs it more. And he, it was unthinkable to him. It was just a lack of respect to what your wife said, even though it was business, and many of sure. us would have found a way to say, Okay, she's sure. in business, will be right. okay. And I need to work, you understand, but right. right? um um but he wouldn't he wouldn't allow that. So they said, Okay, so you're gonna forfeit the seat if none of you will take right. it. So he said, Okay,
0: so I'll forfeit the and seat. And they had witnessed his struggle with and this. They witnessed his struggle. Right. And when he came onto the
1: plane, they they were moved by it a while. The, the people <laughs> that, wow, uh out. they were they were moved enough by that exchange to say we, we found another seat in first class and they were able to sit there together. Unbelievable.
2: Let, Let me go. just go back to Mr. Burr just for a second yeah, because on. it's being worked on by other people and it was right. done. We don't and, know and, and they did a good job on it. Very good right. job. And we don't know what Rubdovit's thinking is. So yeah, yeah. that doesn't mean Rubdova would tell another company. Correct. We never know what his I calculations on so I, I just mean, want to clarify i didn't that. mean any disrespect no no, no of by course i don't want anyone to feel I just like i was
0: telling truly that that the only thing i really could discuss with him would be something like right. that like <laughs> <if> we don't, <laughs> I don't you should i don't have the ability to really delve into the tell works with him but this i could schmooze with him about for a few <laughs> right. minutes um tell me about his negotiations with vendors i found this fascinating uh never negotiated i say negotiating but he never really negotiated a price was a price right he would. Uh, My father,
2: this is one of the business um, you know, failings that he had is that when you go to a vendor and you ask him for a price, and he gives you a price, and you tell him, is that the best price you can do? And he says, yes. And then another vendor comes in at a lower price, and the first vendor says, oh, I could do it for even less. You have to give it to the second vendor. Whoa. Because it's, it's, you know, just he gave you a price, he said it's his lower price, and the second vendor gave you a price. You owe it to him, to right. give it to him at that
0: point. Right. So when you say not negotiate, meaning you wouldn't negotiate with the first guy. You right. just go over to the second one. Wow. That's a good business lesson. But he, he also felt
2: that, you know, in certain things, a person is entitled to make a panasa and right. don't squeeze people. They 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 have to support their family and let them make a living. It's fine. You don't have to squeeze every last penny out of uh, someone. walking
1: by his office once. I, I didn't write this. It was just something that meant something to me. It was an article for Dr. Robert Sherman about something, nothing to do with the book or mm-hmm. And I was walking by his door, as, as it is for every as well. The door is open in that mm-hmm. office. Everybody who walks by, you expect and you hope to get called in. So he said, hey, Besser. I said, yes. Yeah. So he says, come <laughs> in. How much is Pacha paying you? So <laughs> yeah. it's not a question I would answer to most people, you know, but it was a lot of it. So he answered, he said, okay, how many kids do you have? You should ask for a raise. And, that was, and I, I felt cared about. I felt like it was, it was good advice. I felt like they should give me a raise. And uh, but and more than that was it just I it wasn't an art school question it was just a guy with his family trying to feed him, and it
0: meant something to him. Unbelievable. Um, there was another thing I wanted to ask and now it slipped my mind unfortunately. Um, but meanwhile I'll remind everybody that the book is available everywhere. It's called Our Lotto. us We have comments in the on on our app here. surely I am in the middle of reading the book. It's very inspiring. That's a gentleman named Nachi Goldner. I don't know if you know him, but uh, he's inspired by the book um he's a nah, he's a hero the book is for people like him
1: doing his things fighting his battles he's an amazing young man
0: nice um i can't believe this someone in the app writes gedalia ask rabbi besser well i assume he, in this case he means Rabbi Zlotowitz if art scroll still exchange the original Sukkis Maxer, i have two i didn't know about the recall it's a collector's item do you know how long ago we're talking it's about 20, 20 years
2: ago for sure
0: <laughs> that's unbelievable no more probably 25 years ago at what point did your father know there'd be an art scroll sitter
2: pretty early on a few years i mean that was st- an important work to him right very, well originally the sitter was going to be a like five volume sitter the way art scroll mm-hmm. would normally do a treatment in other words with a full commentary, we were going to do a Friday night sitter. We actually came out with a Friday night sitter. Then we were going to do Shabbos day, and then, but then we saw the Shuls really wanted a one-volume yeah. sitter to replace what they had. But it was it was a different way, you know. Out. Was
0: there a weekday sitter before the weekday plus Shabbos sitter? Or am I wrong about that? No, they come out the, the same We had a Friday
2: time. night sitter, then we did the complete. The sitter. The complete,
0: and then after the complete, you did release a weekday sitter. Yes, yes, right. I and, remember. I remember that. Um, I, it's, it's so funny. Probably every person listening to this has memories of, you know, dealing with different art scroll books and sperm right. and everything. And I remember I had a weekday sitter before a uh, the full one, and I said to myself, you know, you're away for is yeah. so You want the full sitter, the whole thing, you know. And we should mention now that the sitter is available. Am I right? The sitter is available on the app, on the art scroll app? Yes. Or, or in some type of digital Smart form? Smart sitter. Right. Tells you what you have to dive
2: in every day, and it's
0: fantastic. Right. And that's obviously getting a lot of attention. And how would you judge your transition to digital formats with Talmud Bavli and other works that people are using every single day? But the
2: digital has really taken off. Um, we have Our digital app is already on 150,000 devices and it's used all over the world because you can see exactly where it's being used. The Shah alone has over a million hyperlinks, which means any time that Rashi, Tosfos, Dain Mishpat quotes another Gemara or Rambam, we click on it, it pops up. This is the future of learning. It certainly is. But we say thank God for Shabbos because yeah. books will still sell. <laughs> <laughs> that's for
0: sure. Uh, there's no question about that. And um, it, it, I mean, one one has described to me this whole digital experience that ArtSchool has as user-friendly, and that's very important to you. I know that the average sure person is. will find it to be a very uh, calm experience as opposed to a frustrating one, which a lot of digital right. platforms can be, as we know. And, uh, and as you mentioned, of course, that's the wave of the future and the way things are going. How did he decide which books needed to be in another language? Because there are Svarim that are translated into, I believe, French, there's a Hebrew edition, of course, with Talmud Bavli. And 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 which ones, shockingly, he never felt had to be anything beyond English.
2: I think he felt that whatever we can do in other languages we do do the Safra Foundation, you know, um, has sponsored the French edition of the Talmud. Um, we have a Spanish sitter. We have some books in Yiddish now. It's, it's really. Good. Are you
0: still getting projects and offers now to keep French and Spanish? Uh, well, the
2: French Talmud is still going on. It right. probably has another 10 years left. Wow. Um, but we're with, with coming out with Living in Muna now in Spanish. It's really just a matter of getting people to fund it because right. the sales don't really cover, especially French or Spanish, but there are people out there. And we've been talking, we just spoke to one foundation now about the Stonehenge in German. Wow. That would be an option to do.
0: We should do yes. it in Russian.
2: Also, we want to talk.
0: Like, why not? Should was there a fight about who, and I use the word fight in a very, you know, respectful fashion. Of it's a fight that many of us should be involved with. Was there a fight about who would sponsor the Rabbi Meir Lotowitz book? We people, all, many, multiple people who wanted to do it?
2: We offered it to the one person who we felt was as close to him as could possibly be the Jaffa family over the years. I know you know Rabbi Burton Jaffa. Sure. Right? So he grew up with my father. Wow. And his children have been very close and have sponsored so many items. So Mr. Jack Jaffa, a very close friend, who was with my father a Friday afternoon before he was nifta. the day before. He was there to help died him. Died on Shabbos, correct? He died in Shabbos right. morning. He was there to help him get dressed for Shabbos. Wow. And he flew Tarity Stroll for the Levaya. He actually was involved. He did a Tahara on my father. It was no question that he was going to get the first opportunity to do it, and he's a dear friend, and he
0: grabbed it. And Jay Schottenstein did not object, because one might think that the Schottenstein family would want to. Uh, they understood. This. They understood. Unbelievable. And the closeness of, I assume, Jay and Jay's father before that with your father was they're, unbelievable. They're family to us. They're right, not, the they're not donors. They're family to right. Schottenstein.
2: I mean, Jay has been on the phone with me. When my father passed away, that much of Shabbos, we spoke maybe five, ten times. He was so broken. You know, he said that when his father passed away, at that point, Jay was 38, seven years old. Wow. And my father was at his side all the years. And he said, Gedalia, I'm going to be at your side all the years. It's, they're really, they're family to us. It's You don't find this anywhere else. The donor, that relationship is unheard of. And Jay gave me the best advice anyone gave me, and I give it to anyone who has to fill, you know, has to fill someone's shoes. And he said, everyone's going to tell you you have big shoes to fill. He says, you don't have big shoes to fill. You have to fill your shoes. They're big shoes, but they're your shoes. Amazing. Don't try to be your father. Be yourself and use your strengths.
0: Absolutely amazing. And uh, I think you have made it clear to those who might have suspected that uh, that art scroll is going to go in a certain direction or not continue in its usual direction with the passing of your father, I think, and I'm, I mentioned this to you before, Shavuos, I think you've made it clear to the worldwide Jewish community that the intention is and the and the activity that you're now involved with is going to move this completely forward the way your father would have and, of course, you know, pursue more and more projects and keep art scroll just Continuing to serve the Jewish community worldwide, bigger and stronger. I felt my
2: father built a foundation, and all he would want is for us to build more and more on top of it. And people are coming through. So many people at my side, just pulling, and you know, encouraging me not to slow down. And that's the only way he would want it. And that's really, you know, keeping his legacy. As I wrote it in the introduction, which I worked on together with Suri. You know, I felt bad in a way that you know, the, the last day of Kaddish, my siblings. You know, they said their last Kaddish, and then, you know, you have to move on with your life. I feel like I'm living Kaddish every single day. By getting up in the morning and going in and sitting in his chair and just keeping his legacy and growing and stronger and stronger, it's the greatest Kaddish. It's a living Kaddish. Amazing. Uh,
0: What's the next assignment that we're giving to Srili Best, Are we decided?
2: We're of talking about are it. Are you? Yes. What do you think? So it's going to be right.
0: what type of work? Do we know yet? Not Another bio And his effect. No. <laughs> yeah. <in> Jewish, <laughs> and not only Jewish radio, and radio. Really? Robot, you think yeah. Adalia would publish that? Depends I don't know. Depends if it's Thompson? inspiring. Maybe he'd use one of his sub-publishing <laughs> <one of some laughs> <laughs> names. You know, one of those. Maybe. <laughs> we might be able to find some inspiring stories. Is it going to be biography fashion? Mm-hmm. Is that what you're speaking to, are you Are you talking about someone's life, or is it a different type of book? Different types of things. I
1: have to say this about Vitalia. Yeah.
0: He's very much attuned to the needs of the generation. And there was a time that
1: people were starved intellectually when Miguel Sesto came along, and now they're starved emotionally. And he understands that as well.
0: So he's really operating on two fronts. He's gotta provide the knowledge, but also the feeling. I know I know we have to wrap up, but now I just remembered I was gonna ask you before and you just hit this with this point. The respect your father had and I would bet you continue to have with other publishers is unbelievable you really don't regard them as competitors. Not you regard all. them as colleagues. And if a publisher who does what quote-unquote you do would come out with a good work, you'd be the first person on the phone to tell them how good it is. We'd be thrilled. And I say that because some other publishers are doing good work in the category that's really just described. Correct. And we
2: feel we have a mission. Our mission is really spreading Torah and opening Torah and Yiddishkeit to everyone, whoever does it. That's wonderful.
0: Amazing. Can't thank you enough, both of you, for coming in today. All the way from Montreal, my gosh.
2: We have to do that video show. I would love to do, do bind it. You you'll love
0: it. It would take hours to get through the entire Arts Girl <laughs> <conversation. laughs> facility. My gosh, we'd be we'd be editing for days after that. Uh, the book is called Rabbi Mayer Lottowitz It's the Jaffa Family Edition. Of course, it's the Arts Girl series, and the subtitle says it all. His vision, wisdom, and warmth lit up the world. Do yourselves a favor, everybody. Everybody, man and woman, boy and girl, get the book. And and read it. It will change your life. And hopefully, as truly and I have discussed, everyone will incorporate some of Rabbi Zlatowicz's uh, midos and greatness into their own lives. Uh, Gedalia, can't thank you enough. Thank, thank you, thank you very ma- much for making this happen. We'll be, back. Just call Bezrat us. We'll be back. Bezrat Hashem. Bezrat Hashem. And uh, the book is simply amazing. Achinu Achim our brothers and sisters in Israel. We are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program, heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Round the world in the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app.